0: All right, there it is. Welcome to chapel this morning. Glad that you're here. Uh, What a great day to be together. We're going to do something that we don't often do. Uh, I really, we thought it would be nice today to just hear you sing, to hear your voices, and and to kind of be a choir together and kind of to be church here at the very beginning. And at the the 905 Chapel, it was really a great moment to do that together. And so we thought we would do that here. Uh, So let's stand together as we get started. And uh, we're going to just start our time together with singing. So I think that you know, I think that enough of you will know some familiar hymns that we'll just sing them together. And um, so simply sing this with me. I'll see if you know it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. How about the last verse of that song? When Yeah. Do you know this one? Be thou my vision, O Lord. This is one of my absolute favorite hymns of all time. And I love to tag the chorus, especially on the choruses that we do. But it simply says, Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand hath made. I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder Thy power throughout the universe display Then sings my soul How great thou art.
1: So, Moses was taking forever and coming down off the mountain. So the people went over to Aaron and said,
2: Do something. Make gods for us who will lead us. That Moses, the man who got us out of Egypt, who knows what's happened to him.
1: So Aaron looked at all these people and said,
2: Take off the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me.
1: They all did it. They removed the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from their hands and cast it in the form of a calf, shaping it so it looked just like a calf. The people said,
2: Thank you, Aaron. Now these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up from Egypt.
1: As Aaron was watching all of this take place, he decided to build an altar before the calf. Then Aaron said,
2: Tomorrow is a feast day of God.
1: Early the next morning, the people got up and offered whole burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and then began to have a party. I I don't mean to say that the people had a regular party. I mean, they had a real party. While this was going on, God spoke to Moses.
2: Go. Get down there. The people you brought up from Egypt have fallen to pieces. In no time at all they've turned away from the way I commanded them. They made a golden calf and worshipped it. They've sacrificed to it. I look at this people. Oh, what a stubborn, hard-headed people. I think I know what needs to be done. I think I need to send fire and incinerate them. Yes, that is what I need to do.
1: Moses tried to calm God down. He was afraid for the people, and so he said to God,
2: Why, God, would you lose your temper with your people? Why? You brought them out of Egypt in a tremendous demonstration of power and strength. If you do this, the Egyptians will say that you had it in for them, that you brought them out so you could kill them in the desert, wipe them right off the face of the earth. Stop your anger. Think of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you gave the word.
1: And God did think twice. He decided not to do the evil he had threatened against his people. Moses turned around and came down from the mountain, carrying the two tablets. The tablets were written on both sides, front and back. God made the tablets, God wrote the tablets, God made them for his chosen people.
3: There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart. Thank you, sir.
4: Lord, we lift our hearts in prayer to you now, and it's our great hope today, our great need to know again the depth of your marvelous love, to hear it in a way that makes sense to us, to hear of it in a way that changes us. So we pray that that could happen as we have worshipped you and as we listen now carefully to what you might have to say to us. Through Christ we pray. Amen. I want to take a moment before we end our our time together and just really point out a few things about the text we heard just a moment ago. Just to, as college students, invite you to look into it and make some connections to this group of folks that I think you have some things in common with in particular. They had just started on a significant journey, a brand new journey. They had left home. They were set free. This sounds familiar, right? They had been ushered into this kind of new independence that set out for that promised land. It was all very exciting except that rather than making a beeline for the promised land, God led them out to this desolate place, this, this desert. And then on top of that, God takes their leader, Moses, up on top of the mountain and keeps him up there for 40 days and 40 nights. So their job was to wait there at the foot of the mountain. They were to wait there and wait for God's word, God's law to be delivered. They were having to wait before this great mystery. That's what all God wanted from them. You wait, and I will be your God, and you will be my people, and they couldn't do it. They got anxious out there. They got all sorts of things, I suspect, bored and frustrated and stressed out, and they were in a really vulnerable place. And that's when they turned to something other than God, something that wasn't true, something that wasn't ultimate or enough. And I want you to think for a moment about this as a new college student. Are you listening? When they got stressed? When they got bored, when they got homesick, when they got anxious, they got very vulnerable and they looked to something else, something other than God, to take it away immediately. They were all stressed, they were all upset, and they just found something they could grab hold of, which is the function of any idol, really, to take away our pain and to take it away quick. There are a couple of very important things I want you to see about this before we leave just real quick. The first thing is that they made this calf and they made it out of the gold that God had told them to take from Egypt. In other words, it it was a gift to them, this gold. God had blessed this. God had given them this gold and they formed up from it an idol. And that is the way we do with the idols in our lives. We construct them in this way. We take something that Is good, good stuff, and we elevate it and pretend it's the best stuff. We we take some gift that's been given to us and we look to it in in some inappropriate way to do something for us that it really can't do. We take something that's temporal and finite and we treat it like it's infinite and we all do this all the time in all sorts of ways. We take something that's good and we take it too far or we expect too much from it, and we turn it into some idol, for instance, pleasure. Pleasure makes a pretty good golden calf for college students, don't you think? And on many a weekend, you'll be tempted to worship at the altar of pleasure, to take away boredom or fear or stress or some sort of pain, where you take something good, fun, and you take it too far, The problem is never pleasure. It's when we look to pleasure to take away our pain, then we have a real problem. Because here's the insight you've got to hold on to. Whatever you make into an idol in your life will eventually take away your freedom. It will have you. Maybe it's not pleasure for you. Maybe it's something else. Perhaps relationship. Did you know relationships can be worshipped? Maybe some friendship from the past that you can't quite let go of. And when you get distressed, you get dependent. Anybody deal with that? Maybe it's a mentor that you look to, or a parent, or a, a girlfriend, or a boyfriend. They make very handy idols. Again, it's something good, probably a gift to you in your life, but when you look to it to replace God, it becomes an idol. And, and remember, I want you to take this away. Whatever you worship will have you. It will control your life. In this case, they had this gold And they fashioned it up into uh, some old-time religion, sort of a a shortcut faith. This was a God from their past, which is the second thing I want you to remember today. I want you to see this, that when they got stressed, when we get stressed, we tend to turn around and grab for old gods, former gods, former ways. When, When life gets tense, we just go into familiar habits, smaller selves, Old ways of thinking and knowing, we grab hold of lesser gods. Now, think with me for a minute, as if the two of us were just sitting in my office in a counseling session. You're old enough now to know what is it you look to? What, what do you reach for when you feel a bit stranded out in the desert? When God seems absent? When you feel threatened? When you feel vulnerable? When you're tired and bored? What tends to happen? The basic instinct, I think, for human beings is always to turn around and grab a hold of what's behind us. And this will always, always be a move of immaturity. Probably to some, for some of you, it's already very powerful, to some addiction, to some place that just feels cozy and secure where you're not pressed and you're not pushed, to some way of understanding God that can take God and put God in a little box where you can hold on to God. This is always a regression. It always is. And this text makes it apparently to us that way. It makes it so apparent. You've got, you didn't read it all, but they have this party going on, and it feels like a bunch of middle schoolers just sort of hopping and skipping around this golden pinata and they even changed the story. Oh, this calf, this calf led us out of Egypt. And it's, it is a kind of comical scene when Moses comes down the mountain. He says to his brother Aaron that made the calf from the gold. He says, what were you thinking? And Aaron says, well, you know how mean they can be. And they, they gave me this gold and I, threw, I just threw it in the fire and this calf popped out. Just that silly, That ridiculous. It's the way the text wants us to see it. We can see their idolatry and how silly it is and how inadequate it is. They can't see it. It's hard to see the idols in your own life. And anything can be idolized. For instance, your image, your reputation, your body, your workout, your cutting your drinking, your grades, your theology, even what you think about God can be your God rather than God. I'll guarantee you there's some idols in your life. And if you want to know what they are, if you'll just slow down a bit and begin to prayerfully pay attention, ask God to show you probably at the level of your feelings, you'll come to understand what they are. What makes you jealous? When, you, when do you feel trapped? When do you get anxious and afraid? Whom do you resent? Where do you find yourself angry? When that happens, pay attention, because probably there's some God that you have shaped up from some gift in your life, or there's some God that you've reached around behind and grabbed from your past, and now it's not saving you any longer like you need it to save you, which, of course, it can't. What you shape up... What you fashion cannot make you whole. You understand? What we create can't make us whole. The invitation is to stand before a great, great mystery, even when it's hard, and to wait for the real thing, the only thing that can make us whole. Would you quietly stand as we have our benediction? Pray with me now. God, help us to see all the silly ways that we look to the wrong things to make life right. Help us to have some strength, some resolve, some insight, so that we might stand before your mystery and wait on your saving love and your saving reality in our life. Through Christ we pray now. Amen. Amen. You guys have a great day.